Maybe we need to pray shorter prayers, but pray them more often. We try to do everything in the one prayer, when actually this short prayer that we're meant to pray frequently, I need this prayer for, is to rescue me from my over-inflated self-importance. Our Father, wow, you're not just my Father, but you, you love that person that sits next to me in church that I struggle with. Now, don't take that over literally, because I sit beside Ian. <laughs> Welcome to this week's, well, I was going to call it Calling It Is The Life, but after last week's show, it should be, I think we're now officially the Council of Imperfection. It sounds like some sort of slightly incompetent, like, Star Wars gang, the Council of Imperfection. <laughs> I was thinking of, of, of a slightly <laughs> dodgy blues band. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's it. Hey, Nashville and, trip. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, it's... We probably should confess that by the wonders of modern radio and television technology, it may sound to you like these recordings are separated by days and even weeks, but they're in fact celebrated by the length of time it took a few people on this call to go to the bathroom and come back because actually we've recorded back to back. So there may be a bit of overlap from the call and the podcast you've just heard. You never know. Uh, But... This week it was Brody who finished and concluded the season on the Lord's Prayer. So Brody, I I realised that I've actually not said hello to any of you, but that's because I feel like I've already done that when we started this call and recorded. This the last is so podcast. unprofessional, Richard. So I, I suppose for continuity's sake, I should say, Brody, how are you? I am well. <laughs> You're as well as yeah. you were an hour ago when I asked you I'm as well around. as I was an hour ago, yeah. <laughs> Um, needing, needing a cup of tea, but I didn't have time to make one of those. Uh, <laughs> Good stuff. Ian, are you still as raring to go as you were an hour ago? I'm fading after that uh, last intensive <laughs> podcast, I have to say. I asked too many questions, I think, possibly. <laughs> well, Jack's done her 3,000 words for the on the last podcast, so this one's, this one's my turn. So, Jack, are you okay still? I, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> and since the last recording, it has actually started raining here now, so uh, you may hear the, the rain in the background as we record. But here we go, Brody. You led us off, so give us a 60-second summary. So you say it was the end of the Lord's Prayer, which is verse 13 of Matthew 6. Um, different Bible versions. I put this slightly differently. I was working from the NRSV, which says, do not bring us into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. And um, I guess to sum up where did I try and go on Sunday? Well, certainly somewhere that I wanted to go was to say, do you know what? God is good and he's 100% dependable. Um, God's goodness is consistent. So God, I do not think, leads us into danger or into testing a trial that will cause us to fall. However, we do live in the real world. We live in a world in which evil and all that goes with it is still present. So challenges of various kind still befall us. Where it ended up with or one of the concluding things I was saying was the prayer is, I think, uh, what's technically known as a synonymous parallelism. So the second clause of the sentence makes clear what the first part of uh, the clause or the prayer is, is all about. So the second sentence is, 
rescue us from the evil one of it's not God that's leading us into temptation or trial, but we live in a world where there is the evil one and evil and we're being asked to rescue um rescues from that. And one of the things again I, I think I wanted to try and say reasonably clearly was Jesus frees us from having to pass a test to receive and know God's love. There is no test that I can pass. God just loves me anyway. And somewhere in the middle of uh, my preach on Sunday morning, I also spoke um, about rejection wounds. And that was tied up with the sense of, I felt that for some people, we think that there's kind of like a pass that we've got to test, uh, to, to pass, to be worthy enough to be loved by God. And there's not God just loves us, um, but that um, various rejections um, and things that have been done to us, um, this perhaps leads back into, you know, the issue of forgiveness and things like that as well, of they can uh, limit or inhibit our ability to uh, know and receive God's love and therefore it's good and proper and right that we address uh, those things. So spoke a little about that as, as well. So that's my summary. Good stuff. So I think we're going to need to delve into a bit uh, about the, the technicalities of this trial versus temptation versus test because effectively you've been trying to rewrite the Lord's Prayer for me because, you know, as a, uh, you know, I, I, I've said, you know, I've fought against the whole forgive us or, you know, do not lead us into temptation and debtors and the whole 12 and 13 thing. You know, I was brought up a good Presbyterian lad and you'd say the Lord's Prayer every day and I've said do not lead us into temptation I don't know how many times in my childhood and now you want me to say something else Brody. so tell me unpack for me more where we got the idea that temptation was the way this should be translated and what first of all the flaw is what what bad thinking and incorrect theology just thinking about it as temptation take us to so i think one of the issues is temptation is really quite narrow mm -hmm. um, and i think what we're praying um about here is something that's quite broad um so i think trial and testing give us that broadness we can have a trial or go through a, a, a difficulty that there's temptation, there's temptation to do the wrong thing, there's a temptation to act wrongly, to to um, to kick out in anger or in bitterness. Um, uh, so I think what we're being asked here is something fairly broad. Again, one of the things I, I said was there's some commentators who, who stick in, well, the NRSV does it, who stick in the word the because for some people's reading of this prayer, this or this end bit is quite eschatological. It's thinking about the end time. And there was mm -hmm. um, certainly in time of Jesus, this expectation of an ending that led to a new beginning. But to get to that new beginning, there was this great tribulation that people had to go through. But I think that this is talking about because the rest of the prayer is all about the stuff of every day and the stuff of every day is broad. So it helps encompass that. The Greek word can, can mean temptation and it can mean trial 
quite a number, or certainly the the people who commentate on this, and none of them want, went where I wanted them to go to answer the questions I personally had. <laughs> they, kind of like, they just didn't answer them for me. <laughs> but quite a lot of, of people who in recent years have um, either written commentaries on this or have brought out translations of the New Testament all go for trial or testing. So I mentioned David Bentley Hart, Scott McKnight, N.T. Wright, R.T. France. R.T. France actually has written a whole commentary um, on it. And then there's that verse that I I went to in James, where James says, you know, if somebody's been tempted, then don't say that it's God that's doing it, because God doesn't tempt us. Um, I, so I I went for trial because it is broader and it includes temptation whereas if we go for temptation then it kind of like narrows it down and it's just you know should I have that chocolate or shouldn't I um, whereas I think it's it's broader and more holistic than that I was going to say I think you might be holding some unforgiveness in your heart against certain New Testament translators there Brody referring <laughs> to last week's broadcast uh, sorry Jack no I was just going to say a, a bit like you when you've said the Lord's Prayer as many times as we have when we were young and so on it's it's quite formative to our thinking when we've read it that way isn't it ian mm. yeah i i think there's and it's not just the word uh trial or temptation i think it's the bit about leading as yeah. well you know it's about god leading us into temptation um and i wonder whether you know that i that forms in our minds or whether we just simply filter that out I think one of the ways that I've seen this um, interpreted is something can be causative or it can be permissive. So God can cause us to go into temptation or trial, or he can permit us to be in trial. Um, so one of the um, commentators suggests that actually this is about saying, God, please don't put me in a position or please help me not to find myself drifting off into a place where I could be tried or tempted. So the emphasis is more on um, God's activity in preserving and protecting rather than actually, you know, what we, you know, God leading us into temptation. God's not leading us into temptation. It's like, God, would you help make sure that I don't just drift off into temptation? And um, I, I kind of found that quite a helpful um, way of looking at it. And of course, the word trial also appears all over the New Testament in a, in not a negative way, and most often it is actually translated uh, trial. Um, so you have something like 1 Peter uh, 1, where it is about um, trials that produce fruit and and are used by God in order for our, our spiritual development. So that kind of suggests to me it's not about God taking us into trials, but actually about how God helps us and enables us to grow when trials come our way. And I think the inference of what we're being asked to be spared from here is something that's negative and has a negative outcome. And as Ian says, there are tests and trials which are, are good and helpful. Um, so I can like use the example of when we would have concrete delivered to site, there would be a part of the batch would go into a test cube so that it was sent to the testing centre to make sure that it was the strength that we had asked for. Sorry, is this a sore point with you guys building your house? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm laughing because as you said that, Jack nudged me in the ribs and says, 
are we getting that done with our concrete? Right. And I'm like, that's not the way it works at the moment. They, that's not the way they test it at the site now. They don't they, test yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They would, they you, would if, test it before they send it to you. If you're building a multi-story car park, they might test it <laughs> yeah. as it's there. Yeah. But for if our little just, house, yeah. they if test just it a small at the concrete batch, plant. You had my wife worried. She was already developing unforgiveness towards the concrete contractors. It was a whole thing. There was a narrative. There was an imagined story. It was going all sorts of places. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. And I think as well, I, hopefully this, you're, you're never sure whether when you're speaking what you want to try and communicate comes across of. And again, we're back to the start of the prayer in Abba. So that I think that speaks into that leading thing of, of God is our father. Um, and therefore there is, as Ian just said, there is that, there is that protective element to that. So it doesn't mean that bad things won't ever happen to us. Um, uh, but that we are, we are, we're asking God in some respects to protect ourselves from our own folly of wandering off into dangerous stuff um, or down dangerous paths. Um, but to, to bring us back to himself, to keep us under his care and, and protection when Richard and I were talking last night is this Tuesday yeah on Monday when we were talking about this sorry I no idea what day of the week it is yeah yeah, well, um, yeah I agree going back to Ian's uh, permissive cause of thing we were we referenced well you referenced Job and uh, Pharaoh and with the Israelites as well because I think this is the thing of it's quite easy for us to end up writing a theology about how God is towards us by just slightly misunderstanding things it's not like we're going way off the path but you can just take something a little bit add it with something else and suddenly you've got a bigger number than you started with and you start thinking that that it is appropriate to pray it that way do you know what i mean Brody? does that make sense yeah and i think so one of the challenges is that we a uh, major the minors and minor the majors when it comes to some stuff so I think the major point of the book of Job is not the beginning, but the ending. Um, and a major part of the book of God is to teach us how to speak to God um, and uh, how God longs for that. He longs for us to speak to him. That's that's part of the, 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 the big lesson of the book of Job. Of I think when God is... is showing God all, when God is showing Job all these things at the end of the book, he's taken delight in it because there's now a conversation and relationship happening. Um, so the big thing about the book of Job is not the beginning, um, but the ending. Um, and I'm not sure that is, is paradigmatic, is, is the template for, for, for us. Um, I don't think the accuser, the Satan, is going before God saying, see that Brody, he's quite good, can I test him? Because Brody's not that quite good and I don't think I'm that important. Um, of, I'm not sure that that's what is, 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 is happening. Um, but we live in a world where we face trials and temptations and uh, challenges and we're being asked to be, be spared from that, of, from the work of the, the evil uh, the evil one and that we would know God with us and all that happens to us. I did love that you said that Scott McKnight said that it was preposterous and shocking that 
It's like, yay for Scott McKnight. But that's just because I'm a big Scott McKnight fan now on the back, back of Revelation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he doesn't say a whole load about it. That was in, he, he did a wee commentary. There's a nice commentary series called the, the Story of God commentary series. They've not gone through all the books of the Bible yet, but Scott does a commentary on uh, the Beatitudes. Um, so rather than buy the book, I bought a subscription so that I could read it online. <laughs> Um, and he, yeah, that was that was one of the things uh, that he 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 said that um, uh, about it that I thought was uh, helpful. And what he said here, I like this is this is a line that he says as well. Um, this petition is not so much about God's not leading us into temptation or about God's leading us into temptation, but about God's protecting and rescuing us from temptation or testing which is just another way of saying what Ian already said. So who needs mm. Scott when we've got Ian? Oh. <laughs> That's very nice. Um, I, I, I do have a source um, for some of these opinions. It's not just stuff I've made up. I, and part of it is, um, so there's a, a really helpful book um, called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes by a guy called Ken Bailey. And uh, he tells a, a little story about this passage and he says um when he and his mates go off into the desert um to kind of find whatever they can find in the deserts find some archaeological site or whatever it is they're looking for they employed a certain um desert guide and they would always get the same desert guide to go over the, the desert with them because if you get the wrong guide in the desert you end up well, he ended up dead, I think, basically, is his opinion. <laughs> so he said, um, and this desert guide was called Uncle Zach. And he said, any time we went out with Uncle Zach, we would say to him, Uncle Zach, please don't get us lost. And he said, what they meant by that statement was, we haven't a clue what we're doing or where we're going. And if you get us lost, we know we're going to die. But what we're doing is replacing our total trust in you and in your leadership. And that's his... Um, exegesis of don't lead us into temptation or lead us into a time of trial is actually, do you know what? We don't really know where we're going. We don't really know what's up ahead. We get so easily distracted and end up going into the wrong things and the wrong places and falling over. So this is difficult territory, Father. Please don't get us lost. Keep us on the right track and uh, ensure that we don't listen too much to the accuser who would want to misdirect us. Um, so I, I think this is kind of a little bit of God's navigation <laughs> and our trust in him uh, as our, our navigator through hostile territory. I think it's interesting as we're talking that I'm realizing in my own heart that these are the, like the two lines within the Lord's Prayer that I have devalued the most, maybe, because I think that the other ones have naturally come to me and made sense. And I think subconsciously I've got to that part and kind of felt like, huh, because it's just not quite been the language that has that has resonated with me um and now I, I sort of am in danger of of like sort of making out like the translators have messed up <laughs> my life at that <laughs> I'm gonna have some unforgiveness issues uh, towards them in relation to it and I certainly I, I sort of feel the the nervousness of any place in which I'm saying well I think it's just that they've worded it badly and so therefore my theology you know but like we can't do that the bible is the bible right so yeah I'm yeah so, bit... so I tried and I don't know how successful I was to kind of like speak into that because I was aware of and kind of like highlighting you know here's a word that's that's difficult to translate and we can translate it legitimately different ways so how do we get it right of 
99.9% of the time of the meaning of what's being said isn't dependent upon one word, um, but upon its greater context. And then even within the context of that whole gospel, there's a kind of like there's a major theme, and then the overarching context of scripture. So we can be confident in reading our Bibles and not worrying about, oh, is this a really good translation or 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 not? So we can have that that confidence. And that confidence has different layers to it as well. Of you know, there's the whole witness of scripture, and um, there's the wisdom of the tradition of we're not the first people to read this and ask questions about it. There's the strength of being in a community called the church in which we can check things out with each other as as well. So hopefully people heard me right of folk aren't kind of like now nervous about reading their Bibles in case kind of like there's one word being mistranslated or not translated well, um, that we can read with confidence, knowing that it's it's God's uh, it's God's word, and there's a a flexibility or a dynamism, if I can say that word, to to the translation process, um, whereby the meaning isn't all dependent on the translators getting it one hundred percent right all the time. But that does speak somewhat to the the importance of if there's something that you're querying or have a question mark about, don't run away from it, but you know keep digging into it to actually ask questions and find people who might know more than you or who could help you. I'm just thinking that might have helped me when I was younger. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All and those it, times you asked to be not to be led into temptation, Jack, bring the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's good. There's, there's, there's a, a, a Catholic a theologian died recently called a David a Burrow. And I can remember him saying once of uh, hold all th- or teach all things tentatively because only God knows for sure. Um, you know, and I think of, and this this is somewhere I didn't think we'd go uh, on this conversation of, do we approach things with a growth mindset or a closed mindset? You know, am I willing to learn uh, and learn from unexpected places? Or am I so kind of like, wedded to my theology because I've convinced myself that I'm right, that I can't learn from anybody. And I think it's good to have, and that hasn't been, you know, so open-minded that our brains fall out. Um, you know, you need firm ground in which to stand, but having a a, a, a generosity um, whereby, do you know what, I'm willing to be corrected and I'm willing to, to learn. Um, I think is a good place to be. Now we're recording this on Zoom, and for the, for the past sixty seconds, Ian has had his nose in a book, clearly going. I, I can actually hear, or over the interwebs, I can smell the rubber burning. So, Ian, it it, it feels like you might have something you want to say. <laughs> Not especially. I. <laughs> to be, a good, today's I'm, newspaper I'm, was a good I'm newspaper. A bit, I'm a bit, a bit like Jackie. I kind of, and when it comes to the Lord's Prayer and praying it through meaningfully, I get stuck in mm. in forgiving people. Um, so um, <laughs> I think the the lead me into temptation is uh, um, is is one that uh, it, it kind of gets overlooked very easily, doesn't it? Um, mm. Yeah. But I think it's also um, 
it's appropriate where it comes because actually, um, not to go back to last week, but unforgiveness leaves us very spiritually vulnerable. Um, and it leaves us vulnerable to the the work of the enemy and and indeed just to the uh, the rubbish that's in our own hearts. So it, it is really appropriate, even as we think about forgiving others, mm-hmm. that we clear the rubbish out and then we also pray, Lord, would you just help me to mm-hmm. keep on the path here and and not to be diverted into places that would really stoke up my spiritual vulnerability. Um, and I think also something of this is about building spiritual immunity. So if you think about a virus if you have a really good immune system then the trials and tribulations and infections around about us are don't overtake us uh, and trying to build in that kind of level of spiritual immunity so that we when we are in those times of trial when we are faced with temptation that i i actually we're encountering that as we will do from a stronger place, so I, there is something um, about the 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 order of the content of this prayer that takes us almost to this this end point where you're kind of saying, "Well, now that I've done the heart work, God, will you ensure that I'm in a place where that is protected, um, that I have um, a solidity about me that enables me to pass through." trials and temptations and the attack of the enemy um, without being um, yeah, derailed or disturbed yes. or whatever. I think I'm now going to think of it as the, the protection part of the Lord's Prayer because the word mm. protection, when you add that into it, it makes it feel like, oh, okay, it's exactly mm. that, the protecting from the vulnerable part. Would that be fair, Brody? Yeah, so, and again, it's, but what is being protected? Okay. So, you know, it's not that bad stuff isn't going to happen to me, mm-hmm. but that through that, I remain in right relationship with God and right relationship to others um, would be good. would be, be part of it. Because, you know, either that or prayer doesn't work because we know that bad stuff happens. Happens, yep. You know, <laughs> <clears throat> um, and it, a... So I think, and and that's part of the logical flow as well, just now that Ian's kind of like said that of, of from the forgiveness kind of thing, you know, and and don't let me just kind of like circle back around and pick up my unforgiveness <laughs> and then move on and, and, you know, pick it back up and put it back in my backpack and carry on my journey. You know, don't let me do that. Lead me on, you know, direct me in the, the right paths. Um, so, and the protection thing is very much about, you know, it's that whole thing of you can gain the whole world and, and lose your soul of actually a, a lot of the stuff that we cling on to is stuff that it doesn't really matter if we lose, but are we building with the, the gemstones of the kingdom? Um, you know, let me build with, with, with that. It doesn't matter if I lose uh, some of the other stuff. Hmm. Yeah, it is interesting, and we haven't really touched on the sequence as part of the series because you've kind of been dealing with it almost line by line. But they kind of give us as their daily bread, right? Okay, well, if you're if you're alive, then move. It's like one of those logic diagrams. If if the answer is are you alive, then move on to the next bit, right? So the next bit is 
forgiveness, forgive our debts. Well, if you've done that, then move on to the next bit. You're capable of not being led in temptation, trial, however, or, you know, resisting evil, etc., etc. And until you've kind of completed the previous step of being alive or, uh, you know, living in some sort of forgiveness mindset, then the next thing's not going to happen. It's just, you are, you kind of, it's self-defeating. You're kind of like, well, if you're living and you haven't forgiven other people, then you're already in temptation. You're already in the trial. You know, you, you, you've, you've got to get yourself, you know, you've got to get yourself out of the first bit. You're already in the mire, you're in the mud, uh, whatever it might be. So Brody, uh, once you had uh, completely reinterpreted uh, verse 13 <laughs> and retranslated it for everybody, uh, you moved on to the idea of rejection wounds. So give us how the two things relate to each other. So where I went in my head with that, and hopefully the Holy Spirit was doing some kind of leading, was, <laughs> you know, so we're talking about a testing or, or a trial. And it, it, I really felt that, you know what, there's some people, perhaps I've done it as well at times, who think, I've got to do this in order for God to love me. Um, I've got to pass this test. I've got to be the good Christian boy or... Uh, whatever and it just struck me afresh of do you know what god loved me before i did anything of god's you know love towards us is unconditional and as somebody who has um at times struggled to experience god's love and know god's love of to move into greater freedom and experience of that um, means that we've got to deal with some of our wounds because um, our wounds can stop us from opening ourselves up to experiencing God's embrace and experiencing his his love. And chief among those wounds that can, are not chief, certainly high up among those wounds that can stop us from experiencing God's love are big and small rejections that we have experienced, I think. Is it uh, overly simplistic to say that everybody's experienced some kind of rejection? I, I think that's, yeah, I think we're probably in safe ground in saying that. And therefore, again, going back to this is a prayer about the stuff of every day. If I am to, and the, the, the sequence or the, the connectedness, the connected tissues in the prayer of to say God is Abba, and not just use that as a title, but to know God's love, to know God's care, to know his protection of, then I need to bring these wounded parts of me to God and say, where I know your healing so that I can experience your your love. And I told the story of, of I learned from the mistakes today. I put the pita bread in the toaster and didn't burn my mouth. But a few weeks back, I keep some pita bread in the freezer at the point and I'll break it in half and put it in the toaster. And I bit into the broken half and hot steam came out and burned me just where can like the top and bottom lip join. And it was really sore and it's hard to put water on there without it. Yeah. Anyway, I ended up with a wee scab there that I had to put ointment on each day to help stop it breaking and becoming worse and becoming like a just an open sore and there are many things many wounds that we have 
that we need to pray into frequently. I suggested daily between now and Easter, not because there's anything important or significant about that period, or but just because it's a nice period to do. And that's like applying ointment to a wound of we need to uh, do that regularly. I have over the past few months, um, well, a few months, it's slightly, it's longer than that, of I tried to get into the discipline of a couple of times a day of just spending five minutes in quiet before God. And I start that with just saying, God, I choose to position myself in your love. I just choose to experience your love. Um, because it's so important, I think, for us to have that as our identity, as, as we are God's loved children and to be operating out of that that place. So that was where I, I, I went with that. Just as Ian is kind of like giving full disclosure of, you know, he was getting some of his good thoughts from Kenneth Bailey. Um, I was reminded of some of this, of um, started in lockdown, um, but Alison and I frequently will join in with some training that Lynn Button uh, does on prayer. Um, uh, Lynn, we had come up and do a conference with us. Alison and I even randomly bumped into Lynn on the island of Iona. How random is that? Um, but Lynn recently in, in some, some prayer training that she was doing kind of like spoke um, about this, particularly with rejection wounds of the need to to pray daily and to God, I choose to accept your love. Just help me uh, experience your love as a as that ointment dealing with the kind of like the the scab of the the wound is there. I had never considered before that as part of the Lord's prayer, like in thinking through it like that, that we were able or that some of us have thought that if if I am in a trial and a test or a, in a difficult period of my life that I need to if I don't do it well then then I'm a failure and therefore God might might not might not love me and if, if, I don't know why I hadn't thought about that like that it was a it was a new way to think of it for me not that I haven't thought before that you know I've failed and screwed up and so maybe God doesn't love me I've very capable of that thinking <laughs> but I hadn't thought it specifically in that part of the Lord's Prayer what had led you to that place of of thinking that praying and thinking about it <laughs> it's, 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 it was just good answer it's just, you know it's just sometimes when you're preparing for I can remember um I grew up in a church where um we were so or we thought we were so spirit-led that there was no kind of like a run order of what was happening. The musicians didn't have a list of songs um, I, that they were doing. And I can remember when I was at Bible college years and years ago, somebody kind of like saying of, do you know what? The Spirit kind of knows what's going to happen on Sunday. So as you're preparing, kind of like the Spirit can kind of like lead you into kind of like, here's what you need to be speaking about on Sunday. It doesn't just all need to happen in the moment, in the service. Um, so as I was preparing, I was asking those questions of where do you want to go uh, with this? Where should we go? And just really felt to, to kind of like press into that. You know, there are some people who feel as though they've got to pass a test or they've missed the mark with regards to I'm not worthy of being loved by God. Um, and it's good to speak into uh, uh, to that because I'm sure many of us have those kind of thoughts at various points uh, in our in our lives of we we are because 
again, the reminders at the beginning of the prayer, I am God's child. Um, and that status is secure. Um, being able to be called call God Abba, to know his Abba love is not dependent on my performance. It's secure in my identity as his child. So that's all very good, but what we're going to practically do, and you gave us some practical uh, tip you've just mentioned again there about using this period of uh, the Rumpty sort of Lent to be kind of focusing on this. But is there anything else practical, especially leading on from the previous discussion about forgiveness, that we really should be doing to kind of change our mindset as far as all of this goes, Brody? I think part of it's tied up in praying the whole prayer and thinking about what that means. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm, I've got now got really kind of like stuck on the opening of the prayer, but just sitting with that kind of like, you are my father. You are the you are the god of the universe. You know you you see the kind of like the stuff that the the Hubble telescope sends back and all these kind of things and just the vastness of the universe, and yet the God who made all of this calls me His child. I think just to sit with that and remind ourselves of that frequently of your your Abba that means something. The fact that you have told us to pray this, I think, is. Uh, it speaks to its importance and how it forms us. Um, and in an age where identities have become such an important thing um, and so contested, to have as my foundational forming identity that I am God's loved child, I think is is transformative for my own self-understanding, but also how I act in the world. And one of the challenging th- or, yeah, one of the challenging things is, do you know what? Children, um, very often you can tell whose child it is because you know their parent, because there's that family similarity. And therefore, even in just thinking about God as father, there's that question of, and how am I reflecting who my father is? Um, and that's where you know the some of the rest of the prayer <laughs> comes in and how it, it it goes out and you know well not my kingdom but your kingdom come and your will be done because even if I intend something for good it's not the good that is as good as your good um uh, my desires inevitably are tainted by my selfishness and goodness knows what. Whereas, you know, when I'm praying for your will, um, the whole thing about daily bread and thinking back to kind of like the temptation to hoard and anxiety and all of those sorts of things, to know a freedom from that and a generosity and open-handedness that comes from knowing that God is our Abba. Um, So how that flows through. So in many respects, it caused me to go back and and pray the whole prayer again or, or think through the whole prayer um, I, again, was was some of the practical things for, for me, but that challenge of of this isn't just something that we pray, but then how do I live this out? Hmm. Ian, practical applications of all of this, it must be challenging. There must be something quite odd about preaching a series on a prayer 
in a sense, because you're kind of trying to do a technical thing about preparing a sermon, while also this is a prayer that is supposed to be prayed. So uh, that just strikes me as it's not a it's not a normal passage that I mean it is a normal passage you preach on because it's in the Bible and you preach on all the time. But I don't know if I'm getting you're across getting what I'm yourself trying to in say knots here. here. I'm getting myself in knots here. It it's just it's like you know it's I suppose it's poetry it's prayer it it doesn't feel like the sort of thing you should preach on in a sense like you don't you know you might quote somebody else's theology but you don't often quote other people's prayers uh and this is kind of delving into the theology the technicalities of something that is supposed to be all about heart connection with god that doesn't actually result in me actually asking you a question just me commenting on that and leaving it up to you <laughs> to what you say yeah. next <laughs> yeah I, I, I thought I'd leave you just to circle down into that car crash I, that was hilarious <laughs> to watch wasn't keep it keep going down I was, down, down yeah, the plug yeah. hole thanks I, I feel it, really rescued and supported by my pastor I know but we're, but we're rescued at this point or just kind of wait and see what happens um, yeah I, I I think I'd never really I don't suppose I really thought about that question, Richard, but at the same time, um, it has been recorded in scripture mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for for a purpose. And I think it strikes me that that purpose is that this is not simply there to inform our thinking, but to form our hearts and to shape our relationships. So I think it is to be to be lived out. Um, maybe more than than listened to. So I think from the point of view of what do we now do with this? Um, how does this impact and affect our lives? I would really encourage people well, to follow what, what Brody said. You know, he said he's only got as far as the first word. And I think that's there's something just really profound about that and important. Um, but I think that this is intended not simply to be a nice prayer or a repetitive um, activity, but actually something that is profoundly formative. This is um, about the nature and shape of our relationship with God. Um, So I would think that praying this and praying it slowly and praying it in such a way that you are asking, you're genuinely engaging and asking for what the prayer is asking for um, will actually be really transformative. Um, I think we've already heard that in our conversation about um, about forgiveness and about the nature of God as as Father, which can be hugely, hugely transformative. Um, and I think we need to get into it as it's it, it's a structure, a framework for relationship. And I think if we can use that and continue to use it, we will find that it will deepen and uh, enrich our relationship with God. Yeah, I get. I figured out what I was trying to say. What I was trying to say is the whole thing starts out by saying, "Pray like this," and we, you know, and then we don't. It's not. This isn't the only prayer we use. We use lots of different kinds of prayer. So how does one reflect the other? I think you've you've answered that question, which is it's it's the core of everything we pray is kind of something of what we pray should be reflected in this. Mm. But I think that was that. I might just edit this and put this back, you know, <laughs> to in make you time sound better. To, say, to, to make me sound better than I do in this <laughs> rambling uh, section of the podcast, Jack. 
No, I was just going to say, I mean, it's a short prayer. I think that's the thing that's quite yeah. interesting. It's a short prayer, but man, it packs a punch. I, I, I feel <laughs> it feels a little cheeky, like I'm critique, critiquing um, what Jesus has said. And I kind of, well done, you did an awfully good job of summarizing that like that. <laughs> but it does, it, it, when you really look at it, there is so much content mm-hmm. in, in yeah. such a small amount. Yeah, I so Mary and I were talking um, just before we started to record and our conversation went something like or like my parting comment was something like of maybe we need to pray shorter prayers but pray them more often Ooh. Mm. Mm. Um, you know because so often so often we can think we try to do everything in the one prayer or that the one prayer has done everything yeah um, when actually this short prayer that we're meant to pray frequently and I think the other thing that I I need this prayer for is to rescue you, rescue me from my overinflated self-importance. Because we're praying our, mm-hmm. and one of the challenges of praying me and my, or I, is that all of a sudden I'm kind of like just focused on me. And I'm separate. I'm almost kind of like elevating myself against or over other people in terms of importance. But then praying our, and so when I even again back to the first line of our Father, wow, you're not just my Father, but you, you love that person that sits next to me in church that I struggle with. Now, don't take that over Wait, literally because I sit, sit beside you in church. <laughs> no, I was going to say you sit beside you in church. <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm saying in, in yes. this of. I this, forgive you, Brody. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad that at the but end even, of this series, our two pastors have forgiven each other. That's great. Good even news. that whole corporate nature of it, kind of like again, there's that logical flow to of it. Well, it leads us into thinking of this isn't just about me, but it's about us. Well, then that that leads me to. Well, who is it that I need to forgive? Because it's about us. Um, so, yeah, I think it it it, it changes how we uh, not just see God because God is our fa- Father, but how we see each other because is equally your Father as He is my Father. Well, we come to the conclusion of our series. I, I hope everybody's uh, enjoyed it. Uh, well, uh, yes, I hope everybody's enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed delving into a bit bit more detail on the podcast. Uh, but let's have the final, final word of the series. Uh, Jack, you go first. I mean, I think I just want to use the Lord's Prayer more in my life. You know, more frequently. Multiple times in one day. Ian? Yeah, I think just reminded of the the depth that there is in this this prayer and the invitation to, to really live in it. And so that's a challenge for me, is just to try and um, use this a lot more personally. Mm-hmm. Great. And Brody, you preached it, you get the final, final word. The final, final word of um, we're praying for us and, you know, what a privilege and joy to do that and not just be focused on me, but focused on God and focused on uh, uh, each other. So I am praying for myself. It kind of like pulls together that, you know, love love God as you love yourself and love your your neighbour. Um, of there's something of that captured in this this prayer is a focus in God and in praying for us and praying for myself as, as well so it's formative do it, think about it, meditate on it 
Excellent. Well, thank you all very much for joining us. I, I do not know what the future holds as the sim hymn goes, uh, but apparently it holds 12 second prayers from here on in. We'll be testing everything against the <laughs> how fast I can say the Lord's Prayer. So whoever's preaching this weekend, uh, that's what you're up against. We'll be sitting there with the stopwatches. Uh, we're entering our Easter season. Who is preaching this weekend and what we've got to look forward to? Well, this weekend we have a very special guest. We have um, Eddie Lyle from Open Doors with us, uh, speaking about the challenges faced by churches across the globe who are under threat and persecution. And he's going to be telling us and inspiring us with stories from uh, our brothers and sisters in those kind of places. That is provided we all managed to escape the escape rooms that are being put on as part of the weekend on Saturday night. Yeah, so big so, shout, out, big shout out for Saturday night. Get your get booked in if you can through the website. We'd love to see you there. We're going to have some snacks, some pizza and stuff, but also we're going to put people in rooms, and uh, you're going to have to uh, sort out a puzzle, a challenge in order to get out of that room. And the prize for getting out of the room is you get to eat your supper. So um, there we go. <laughs> okay. This this does sound suspiciously like the Daily Mail are going to turn up at our door, going church locks people in rooms to, with with threat that you're not allowed to eat until you escape. But there we go. There we go. So and I can I just say that you know do not lead us into trial is not talking about not going to escape rooms. Just just put that out there. <laughs> The, the, the prayer does not mention that pizza will be provided at the end but there we go anyway thank you all very much for joining us we will speak to you all again soon goodbye goodbye Bye. Bye.